I was you the one blaming him with that. that. Austin Matthews, very good two-way forward. Nobody's saying Carson wants us to go. Oh, your team sucks, Parker. Pick one. And before Miami fan over here starts talking, blasphemous. And I'll tell you why. What does that tell you? He's terrible. I'm not out here saying Tom Brady's bad. Yeah, you are. Listen, Gary. <laughs> I'm saying pick it. What's going on, everyone? Today is Wednesday, October seventh. Is that right? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And alongside you today, we have our producer Parker, as always. Hello. And we have, for the first time in like two months, a guest, Adam. Hey. So today is our draft show. We have a lot of news to cover draft-wise. We have a couple of trades that have just happened. And speaking of which, we actually have a trade that just broke about 10 minutes ago. The Penguins traded Matt Murray to Ottawa for a man named Jonathan Gruden and a 2020 second-round pick. Wait, the coach? Uh, no, not the coach. A different John Gruden. <laughs> Thoughts on this trade? I think that considering Pittsburgh needed to just get rid of him because they said pretty much – they didn't say, but they pretty much said that they were not going to be going with Matt Murray. They need to get something out of him, and when you say that you're a seller, you're not going to get as much as you possibly can for a player. So I think that they got a decent return. So I'd say it's all right. It's an odd move by Ottawa where they're in like full rebuild, but I'm all for it. Yeah, I think they actually did pretty good getting a second. I mean, I was expecting them to maybe get like a third or a fourth from him, but getting a second's pretty good. They just oh, spare especially because they just spare hope oh, that sorry. Tristan Jari is the answer in that. Because if it turns out that this year was just a fluke, then it's probably gonna look a little bad. Well, especially because at... oh, sorry to interrupt. Especially because the penguins don't have a pick until the third round this year i think especially for the penguins to get a second is pretty big for them to at least get involved in this draft yeah the way i looked at it is the everything we'd be hearing was that they qualified matt murray obviously and that teams weren't going to make a trade for him unless they were positive that they could sign him now the blackhawks of earlier this week actually had tried to sign him but they couldn't so I'm assuming Ottawa, which is, he's from the Ontario region, he's from Thunder Bay. So I'm assuming they were able to negotiate and say, hey, come play closer to home, you know. I could see why that worked out for them. It's just a little question mark in my mind of Ottawa making this move. Because, like, Matt Murray's the type of player in my mind that you would get if you are on the fringe of being a competitor. Like a team like... Buffalo right now, I could have seen really trying to make a move for them if they would have the cap space for him, or teams such as that, like even Washington with getting rid of Braden Holpe, I could see getting a one-two of Samsonov and Matt Murray if they had the cap, but Ottawa where they're in a full rebuild, it doesn't make entirely too much sense unless they're looking at signing him long-term and he's going to be that goalie for when they're out of their rebuild. Well, I see the reasoning behind it. Ottawa, actually, Ottawa didn't play very badly this year. They didn't finish high, but they started the year very strong. A lot of people think highly of DJ Smith as a coach. And quite frankly, they're only really a good goalie and a couple prospects, which they can get this draft. Which I think they got this draft. Which we'll get to. But they, they, they aren't that far away. And they can be players in free agency with some money. I really don't hate the pickup for them. Murray's only going to be 20, or Murray is 26, so he's got years left. They think that they can use him and, uh, I guess, retool him. And also, it makes a lot of sense because a team like the Blackhawks that has a lot of pressure on them wouldn't have made as much sense for Murray. I think he needs to be out of the spotlight for a little while and get back 
into his play style on a team that doesn't have expectations. So, but yeah, interesting trade to start off the uh, top of the show. And I don't want to dwell on it because it wasn't a draft day trade, but I the Penguins also did trade uh, did buy out Jack Johnson this week, so that made me extremely happy. Parker can attest to that last show. Yep. All right. So now we're, we're that out of the way. So we have a lot on the docket today. We're going to go through uh, grading each of the 31 picks in the first round. We're going to try to discuss two of the bigger players that we had focused in on in the past couple months in Alexi Lafreniere and Yaroslav Iskarov. We want to take a look at our Calder projections. We're going to do our winners and losers for the first round. We're going to look ahead to next year's draft and a few other notes of interest at the end of the show. So let me ask you both right now. Alexi Lafreniere. Consensus number one pick. Do we like the Rangers keeping the pick, or do we want? Or should they have traded it? Adam, we'll go to you first. I think that they made the right move keeping Lafreniere. Like, I understand that he is, at least in my mind, he is like the number one consensus pick. He should have been number one. A lot of people believe yes, he's definitely the number one, but he's not like an amazing superstar. Like, he's not going to be your franchise player. He's just going to be a really good player, from what I gather. And I could be wrong, and he could be that franchise player. But I think for a team like the New York Rangers, they, I think, just need more depth on their offense. And a rookie like Lafreniere can provide that immediately, I believe. I think that if they were to have traded, they wouldn't have gotten as much in return as they potentially could have given this draft. But I do like them keeping it. Parker, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, here's where I'm going to disagree with Adam on the basis of Lafreniere being a franchise player. I 100% think he's going to be, and I think the Rangers made the right decision. I mean, when you have the first overall pick, just don't overthink it. Grab the best player available. Sure, they might need a number two center, but let's be honest. Centers are kind of easy to come by. They easily grab one in the second or third round. They'll be fine. Yeah, Lafreniere's going to be great for them. I'm going to disagree with both of you. I think Lafreniere, as I have said for a while now, is a franchise talent. So that's what I'm going to disagree with Adam. I think he's a real game changer and he has game-breaking skill. And it's the scout's consensus. He is, if not the best prospect of McDavid, he's probably the number two. With Because Matthews was pretty highly rated, too. And, I mean, you see how that's panned out. But I think the Rangers sort of traded this pick, and I'll tell you why. Lafreniere is a left wing. The Rangers have a glut of left wings. And yes, I understand that you make your best players play where they can, but I, I he's not a center. He really doesn't play his off wing, and you don't start a player off in a player position they're not comfortable. So I'm curious if they're going to do it with that. Not to mention, I had heard the idea that the Sabres were interested in potentially entertaining an Eichel trade, who is a center that you desperately need down the middle. So I don't know if I love the I think at the end of the day they made the money for money smart decision to keep the number one pick. But I don't know if you talk sheer business sense if it makes the most sense. I mean, the way that I look at it is can you really afford to pass up on him though? No, and that's that's the thing. That's like you would not hear the end of it if you did because you it, tore it all down for the exact reason. It, it's sort of like if you were in the 2015 draft and you had you had a glut of centers and then you're like, uh, should I pass on McDavid? I mean, no. If you have a glut of people out of position, you just move one of them. Well, okay, but here's the thing. Lafreniere is amazing. 
He is a very high talented prospect. I think, and as I said, he's been you know docketed to be the best prospect since McDavid. The problem is there's only been three prospects that you can argue that have been franchised since the 2004 draft, and that's Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, and Connor McDavid. You can make arguments for Patrick Kane and Nathan McKinnon, and uh, there's a lot of John Tavares, but those players haven't cemented their legacy yet. Even Patrick Kane, you can make an argument, he hasn't always been that star. How many times do you have a player like Crosby, like Ovechkin, like McDavid, that are bona fide legends out of the draft? Well, Frenier's not that. He's not going to be 100 points in his first season. I would guarantee it. There's not a chance. I think his ceiling makes a lot of sense for them to hold on to it, but his ceiling also makes a lot of sense for them to have looked at the trade that they weren't even entertaining. Any other thoughts on Lafreniere? I mean, I'm going to disagree with you about 100 points. I mean, I don't know if he's going to hit 100 points, but I mean, I think it's very likely for him to be able to reach like 70 or 80, considering he's going to be on a line with Panarin and Zibanejad. Do you really think out of his rookie season, he's going to be on that top line? That's my question, too. I don't know where you're generating that information. I think think you can see him being a second liner if he plays well, then maybe moving up to the first line. But I think that they would be smart to put him on a line with maybe, maybe Kako even. See what they kind of kind of can address with that. Yeah, I, I'm going to go on the line and say that you should probably put him with like Chris Kreider, somebody who can defend him. Lafreniere's not a big guy. You need somebody who can defend him. Yeah, he is. Six, think, he's six foot one. He's also lanky as hell. He's not strong. You need to put him with somebody who can defend him. I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying he's a pushover, but he's going to get roughed up. You you never ever see a player come out of the draft and play first line minutes. Connor McDavid. Yeah, even it. if you yeah, if you look at McDavid, he wasn't top line. If you even if you look at uh, Nathan McKinnon, obviously me knowing because of Colorado, he was not on first line until the playoffs that season when he was a rookie. He was on a line with Paul Stastny, and I believe it was oh god, I forget who the winger was. Sidney yeah, Crosby moved McKinnon first line off the rip. No, that's not the same. Yeah. Can't move up there, of course. If we get to, they're saying the season, which we'll get to this at the end of the show. They're saying the season's going to start in January, so you're looking at about 40 games in a truncated season. If we get halfway through, and he's 20 games in, and he moves up the second line, I can see that. But there's not a chance in hell that an opening night, Alexis Lafreniere is opposite of Artemi Panarin, unless they start Panarin down lower. Because you just don't, not only is it the roughed up thing, but you have to think logically too, he's just not conditioned for that. They don't do those shifts in the QMJHL. They don't do 23 minutes a night in the QMJHL like that against NHL players. So he's got to build up to that. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him start on the fourth line with whoever they have on the fourth line. No, I wouldn't go so as far to say fourth line. I would say he's definitely going to be at the lowest third. I would say possibly second, depending on how he does at camps and everything and how he gels with players. If he does really well in camps and is having a good chemistry with some of the higher-up players, I think that he's going to be second-liner. I think you guys are putting way too much emphasis on the line itself. you got to look at the way the Rangers are built. They don't really have a checking line, per se. Their checking line is, in essentiality, the Chris Kreider line, which is their third line. Their fourth line is really a depth scoring line, which is why I'm placing them there, because as we get into the 2020s, you'll notice so many teams are doing things differently. They don't have a traditional one through four. I mean... The Maple Leafs don't really roll four lines. They have four scoring lines. So it's not so much saying he's going to be on this specific number line. I think he's going to get those minutes. 
I don't think he's going to eat big minutes in the first couple weeks. I think they're really going to ease him into it, in my opinion. I can see it, but I don't necessarily agree, but I can see where you're coming from with it. We will now uh, deviate a little bit. The other player I want to talk about before we get into our draft recap, Yaroslav Askarov, goes to Nashville at number 11. He's the first and only goalie off the board in the first round. Parker and I have talked about him a lot in the past few months. So what are your guys' thoughts on Askarov going in the top 13 to Nashville? Adam, you can go first, and we'll just stick with you going first. I mean, I was, as some other people might know, I'm not too keen on keeping up with all of the prospects. I know that his name has been mentioned as being the consensus top goalie in this draft. I don't know how, just because of recency bias, I'm I'm not a huge fan of goalies going in top 20 because it's very rare now that you'll see a goalie just go that high and be able to, like, produce as of yet within I get goalies have to develop a lot longer but I'm not too sure on it I understand Nashville's point on drafting him because Pecorino is not getting any younger are you really going to have your franchise goalie be UC Soros I don't think so so I could see it I understand the pick it's more of a I think a team need pick than it is best player available pick that's me yeah I actually really like the pick. I mean, he's projected to be the best goalie prospect since Carey Price, so best goalie prospect in 15 years. And I think Nashville getting him is a sneaky pick. I mean, they're going to need a franchise goalie in a few years, and it's important to just not overthink it and just grab who you think is going to best help your team. And the thing is with Askarov, that he's going to be able to be put in a system where he's going to be learning from Pecorine, but also from Soros a little bit. So the expectations aren't going to be high for him immediately because it's like, oh, once Rene retires, they'll be able to go with Soros for a little bit. So he's really going to be able to develop at his own pace. And then by the time he's actually able to play, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I don't mean to say that it's a bad pick. I just think that I could have seen him going a little bit later. I agree that, like, yes, I understand he is said to be the best goalie prospect since Price. But I think that Nashville picking him was kind of like what I said earlier. It was the best pick for the team, not the best pick available. I mean, I can kind of agree with that. I mean, Anton Lundell, who was picked right after him, was probably who Nashville could have gone with because he was the best center available. But I never see the issue with grabbing a goaltender because, like, at the end of the day, if you don't have a goaltender, you don't have a shot at competing. And Askarov is literally the best prospect in, like, forever. Like, he projects to be better than Vasilevsky and Samsonov and, like, Spencer Knight and all these other, like, younger slash starting goaltenders that we're seeing right now. And I think this isn't a move that we're going to see pay dividends in the first two years. This is something that we're going to see maybe, like, four or five years down the road that we're looking back. And it's like, oh, Nashville made a really good pick here. Because, like, they've had Rene start for how long? Like, it seems like forever, almost. And to be able to have another potential long-term starter in Askarov, it's really important for franchises to have, like, that kind of a goaltender consistency. Otherwise, you end up like the Philadelphia Flyers before they got kind of hot, starting, what was it, like, six, seven goaltenders same year? I think it was eight. Eight? Oh, goodness. I think it was eight. 
I might be wrong on that, but I, I do believe that they had eight goaltenders before because of injuries and trash play. That's a way to put it. All right, so number two in the draft, Los Angeles Kings got Quentin Byfield. What did you think about that pick? I thought that out of this draft, in my mind, it was uh, very much consensus that Lafreniere was number one. And in a lot of people's minds, Quentin Byfield is that number two. Like, he's the number two guy, like, guaranteed. Can't go wrong with it. It was either him or Tim Stutzel, and I believe that Byfield was the right pick. Yeah, same here. I mean, a lot of people are comparing Byfield to Joe Thornton or Evgeny Malkin, which I think is very interesting. And, you know, he's huge. He's six foot four, and he's also a really good skater and really good playmaking. So he's really a complete player. It's like we're looking at like a like a Joe Thornton or like a Ryan Getzlaff here. And I think that's really good. Especially because the Kings really need like not only a number two center right now, but they're going to need a number one center when Kopitar retires. Do you think that he'll be able to be that number one though by the time that Kopitar retires? Or yeah. do you think that they are gonna be better off trying to get a center? for the year in between of, like, if Kopitar makes it known to the team, like, this is going to be my last season, do you think that L.A. will go and get a guy who can be the number two center or potential number one? See, that's an interesting question, because we're not really going to know, like, what their roster looks like until seven years from now. Oh, so yeah, obviously, but... I think it depends who they have on the roster. I definitely think Byfield could be their number one, because, again, there were... A lot of people who were trying to get Byfield to go number one, and that you know wasn't going to happen with Lafreniere. But I feel like in other drafts, like the draft with Nico Heischer, for instance, Byfield yeah. would have been the consensus number one pick. I think that even with the Jack Hughes draft, that he could have been a really good argument for a number one pick. Not saying anything bad against Jack Hughes, I just think that that's how good that Quentin Byfield is. I think that even in Jack Hughes draft, or even who was the draft right after McKinnon in 2014? Like some kind of quality like that. I would say he can be argued a little bit better for a number one pick than this season. Yeah, I completely agree. We got on the Kings though. They get a player that they need. He's going to be great for them. Actually, yeah, I just remembered that they have a Gabriel Velarde in the system, a center. So it might end up being Byfield as the number one and then him as their number two, which is pretty good, honestly. Velarde is going to be pretty good. So, going next with the third pick, what do you think of Ottawa with their first of two picks in the top five going with Tim Stutzel at number three? Pretty obvious pick. Stutzel sort of the consensus number three. He could play both center or wing, and the league he was playing in uh, he, was, he was playing in some like high-end German league. He was playing for Mannheim in Germany. Yeah, so he was a boy playing with men. And he, from what I'm looking at here, he was, his point averages and goal averages and all of that were the best by an under-18 player in the history of that league. Yeah, well, for an 18-year-old to be playing with men in a in a German league, like Germany's not necessarily known for 
like the highest of the high end, but you're still playing with professional players in the grand scheme of things. Like look at, I know the German leagues aren't necessarily as comparable to like the Finnish or Swedish elite leagues or whatnot, but he still had seven goals, 34 points in 41 games while playing with full grown men at the age of 18. Like I, I think that that's really respectable and I know he's not going to probably see ice for Ottawa this season. I don't, they say that they want him to develop and that he's probably going to sit in the AHL this year, which is, I think, a good move. You're still in a rebuild phase and you don't want to rush anything. You're not rushing to compete right now. It's not like they are on the fringe of competing and they had traded for this third pick. This is their pick, if I remember correctly. I believe this is their pick and the fifth pick is from San Jose. No, no, this one's the one from San Jose. Their pick's the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, their pick's their number pick five. Their pick is the fifth one. Even so, even if their pick was fifth, then they would have this. Like, unless Ottawa's pick would have been, like, 15, 16. Like, if they were, like, on the fringe of competing and they tried to force this player to play, I don't think it would go so well for them. Given the circumstances that they're going to develop in the AHL at his own pace until that they're ready to make that stage from rebuild to we're going to make a push for this, I think that is a really smart draft. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely important for him to get some AHL minutes because, you know, he'll be able to play with players that are sort of like players that are both his age and older. And then yeah, I think it'll to... be a little bit better. Yeah. I think AHL will be a little bit... See, <laughs> it's hard to judge because I'm not too big on following European hockey, so I don't know what the skill level is. Obviously, it's going to be different, but I think the skill level at the AHL level is going to be a little bit more of an ease into NHL caliber play for him coming from the German league and playing AHL minutes. I believe the AHL is a little bit higher tier. It might not be. I mean, there's a reason why players sit in the AHL for an entire career, as opposed to going to play pro league minutes in Germany or Sweden or Finland or even Russia. But at the same time, the money's not necessarily there. I completely agree. And I think by the time that Sutil is ready for the NHL, he's going to be their franchise forward, I think. Not franchise forward, but like their their face, I would say. Yeah, he's going to be their number one. He He's going to be what Jason Spezza was for a while for them. Absolutely. And hey, a lot of people are comparing him to Leon Dreisaitl. I definitely take Leon I think Dreisaitl they're just doing team. that because he's German, honestly, and he's a goal scorer in mindset. Yeah. Playmaker. But you got to remember, like, a lot of these region-specific leagues, they sort of, like, the best players that come from them sort of, like, they play the same way. It's like when the Russian Five first came over to America, it's like they all played, like, that same style of hockey because all they played in was, like, the Russian leagues. And that's kind of like with, with, oh, God, how do you pronounce his name? The goalie that was drafted by Nashville kind of hopping back to him. It's like he's a Russian goaltender, correct? So, like, you know what you're going to get out of a Russian goaltender when you're drafting him. It's like... He's going to be good. Yeah, just look at Vasilevsky or... Uh, Even Varlamov, like, as injury-prone as he's been when he's healthy, he's really consistent. Like, he's not bad. He had a Vezina candidacy for a reason. Yeah, and he played pretty well with the Islanders this year, too. Yeah, well, Islanders had a fantastic defense. He's he's a guy that you can't really hang out to dry, and he'll save you. Like, he'll make some big saves, but he's a goalie that you can't hang him out to dry. Like, Carey Price for... Montreal he gets hang out hung out to dry and I think he plays better uh-huh yeah I think it's some so important. goalies really it's still important to have a goalie that 
Oh yeah, could still win it without blowing it. Yeah, but without going too off on that tangent, I yes, nationalities do have a prototype, if you will, player. Like even if you look at Finland with like some some of their bigger set players that have been drafted into the first round in the, fa- the past few years, like the one that pops in my mind, obviously because of Colorado's bias, is Mika Rantanen, and you see those bigger Finnish players and you know they're going to be good at skating, they're going to have good hands, and they're going to be a phenomenal shot when they're a forward. Right. That's just what Finland does with their development prospects. They know how to develop that mindset. But I can understand it. I just think that they're kind of just saying Stutzel's a comparable to Dreisaitl because you don't see many Germans going in the top three. I think the first one for the longest time was, oh God, who was it? Aaron Ekblad, was it? Was he German? No. Oh, God. It was in Ekblad's draft. I believe it was in Ekblad's draft there was a German taken. I... Was that even Dreisaitl? <laughs> yeah, it was Dreisaitl. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Dreisaitl was, like, the highest drafted German for, like, I think in the longest time. If not ever, because Germans don't really develop players. Like, you might be able to develop, like, your name off maybe 10. Yeah, the only other German player I can think of is Tom Kuhnackel, so... Philip Grubauer's German. Oh, is he? I thought he was Austrian. He is German. He is the German national goalie. But anyway, hopping on. Yeah, moving on. Number four, Detroit Red Wings grab Lucas Raymond. What's your thought on this pick? Lucas Raymond, I think, is... I think it's not really a bad pick, per se. I I think that Detroit sees a lot of potential in him. I think that I would have personally gone with like either Jake Sanderson or Jamie Drysdale at this pick, in my mind. I'm not saying that Lucas Raymond is not a first-round talent or a top-five talent. It's just kind of a side thing. Like He was playing at the Swedish pro level, and he had 14 points in nine games in Swedish under-20 league, which is really good. But then you go to when he played for Prolunda, and he had 10 points in 33 games. I think that he needs time to develop before anything, and I think Detroit is at that stage now where they're finally accepting, yeah, we're really in that full rebuild, and we're going to be here for a few years. But they have components to do that, like to get out of that rebuild when players are finally ready. Like I think Zadina needs a couple more years before he's really ready to make that big step, but they have a whole list of prospects now that I think that they're just going to need time to develop, and that's all it is. The draft pick itself is okay. I think it could have been better, but if he turns out to be really good for them, okay, all right, good for you guys, but I wouldn't have made the pick. Yeah, I know better than the count against Steve Eiserman, but his first-round picks have always been kind of questionable, like when he was with Tampa. Some of his were like Slater Cuckoo and Anthony D'Angelo, who was actually pretty good, but then like Vladislav Nemesnikov, but then Andre Vasilevsky. So they're always like, you either get a really good player or really bad. But with Raymond, I think he does have the potential to get really good. I mean, when I look at him, I kind of see Mitch Marner. I mean, I think he could be a real game breaker, but he definitely needs more time to develop. I was kind of shocked with this pick because I thought they could have gone with, like, I thought Cole Perfetti was going to go here. Or Marco Rossi, even. But Lucas Raymond, I mean, fine pick. I don't have an issue with it. I like those three a lot. So it's really sort of just a, Depends on who wants who with those three. Yeah. 
I mean, if they're looking just to get a lot of depth at the forward positions, I get it. But I think the best player available was Jamie Drysdale. I'm legitimately, and I'm going to talk about it when we get to this next pick, I legitimately think he should have been top five. Completely agree. But with that being said, let's hop over to the number five pick in <laughs> yep. what I thought was the biggest question mark in the top ten. Yeah, not, the Sounders saying... grabbed Jake Sanderson, and a lot of people were sort of thinking that, oh, Drysdale and Sanderson are kind of interchangeable. I I don't know about that. I really like Drysdale a lot more than Sanderson, but you go. Yeah, I I it could also be that the U.S. National Development Program is still an up-and-comer in the development game in some people's minds jamie drysdale played in canada obviously and jake sanderson was in the usa u18 program so there's going to be a bias there but i think that jamie drysdale was the best defenseman available for ottawa to pick here if they're going for style of play, I can possibly understand Jake Sanderson. Jake Sanderson is still a top 10 pick in my mind. I I agree with that. He's still a top 10 pick, but I think that Jamie Drysdale stands above a little bit more or shines through. It could just be because of him playing for the Erie Otters at the OHA level. Oh, OHL. OHA. OHL. OHL level. But Drysdale's a little bit smaller. He's not really a defenseman that I think Ottawa might want they might want a little bit of a bigger guy like Jake Sanderson 6'2 185 like he's not huge he's just a little bit bigger and he's obviously going to get more built because 185 for being six foot two at the NHL level you're going to get thrown around especially as a defenseman but his caliber of play I think he's a very good defensive defenseman and you don't really get a lot of attention for those anymore in the draft especially in the top five so i can respect the pick i just don't agree with them picking sanderson over drysdale i think that drysdale is a little bit more complete but maybe ottawa wants just a strictly defensive guy that okay that's fine i mean Hold on. i have returned by the way yeah we're on number five Ottawa sanders jake sanderson yeah, I personally would have gone with Drysdale, but I could see why the Sanders grabbed Sanderson because they already have that offensive guy in Shabbat. And, I mean, they also have Lassie Thompson and Jacob Bernard Docker in the system. So I think here they were kind of looking for a more safe defensive defense prospect. So, I mean, I can't really fault them there, but I personally would have gone with Drysdale. Uh, who are we talking, Jake Sanderson? That's who we're on? Yep. Yeah, number yep, five. We're on Jake Sanderson. Okay, do you mind if I just give my recap of the previous four picks? Yeah, okay. if anyone is questioning, he had to take a phone call, so... Yeah, sorry, uh, I was on a phone call yeah. for a little... I have returned. Um, we uh, were able to keep the ship afloat, we're fine. Thank you, gentlemen. I, I will go through my... Lafreniere's a no-brainer at number one, that's a given. Quentin Vineville becomes the... I don't know if you touched on this, he becomes the highest-drafted player of color, black player in NHL history, so big moves by them. Love that pick, Byfield, I think is the most complete player in his draft class. Tim Stutzel, don't like the pick here. I think he drafted a little really? high. I like Tim Stutzel a lot. Don't understand going with him at number three. I get it. It's He was like consensus number three, but I, I read this article, I think it was Scott Wheeler said. He's like, I don't see him at number three either. He has to put it all together. And I don't know if Otto was the team to put it all together for him. That's my that's my reasoning. Anybody so, else? I like it. So question for you. Do you think, because I think Ottawa just genuinely wanted Stutzel. Do you think he would have been available at five? Do you think no, that Detroit not. would have picked him? 
No, oh, if, if he was, absolutely. But there's no chance he gets the five. He's the number three best prospect. But Ottawa is going to mess him up a little bit. Not enough to kill his development, but I think to get his most, he needs to. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think he needs to. Well, he, he, anyway. Parker and I talked about this. Ottawa is basically already said without saying he's playing the AHL this year. He's not playing NHL minutes. Okay. I think that they're going to be a little bit like develop at your own pace. If he's going to excel at the AHL level, he's obviously going to come to the NHL. But I think they're going to develop him at his own pace because of the style of play that he was already playing at in Germany. And that's the problem is he shouldn't be in the AHL this year. He needs to be over in Germany. He should be able to acquaint. He has no comrades here. He needs to be able to play in Europe. That's been my big gripe, and that was exactly what I was going to say. But I agree. If they let him in the AHL, it's better than just forcing him into the NHL. So that's my thoughts on Stutzel. Raymond, I think this is one of the best picks in the draft. I really like Lucas Raymond. He's a very, very, very good player. He's a good passer. He's got good skills. I think he complements Detroit perfectly, and he immediately shoots up above Zadina and Ross Newson and everybody else in that prospect pool. Great pick here. Oh, and, and Sanderson, that was only on? Yeah. Uh, hate the pick. Dumb pick. Don't understand it. Nothing bad. <laughs> I, I think that Sanderson is the top 10, but I think that Dr- Drysdale should have been going five. Like, when I heard them say U.S. National Development Program, I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah, I don't. Jake Sanderson's like a top fifteen prospect. He's probably the number two prospect behind Drysdale. That being said, Drysdale's there. I don't love it, and you don't. They drafted a defensive defenseman last season with Lassie Thompson. I don't understand going out and getting him, and especially if you wanted to make a reach and get a player with some potential. Held Grands was available still too, and you could have gotten him. But uh, anyways, thank you for letting me recap. Now we'll pick back up where we left off. Parker, take away. All right. So number six, Anaheim Ducks here get an amazing pick with Jamie Drysdale. They really need defensemen, and I think he's going to become their number one in a few years. I think this is a really good pick. For Jamie Drysdale? Oh, duh. Like, that pick kind of just fell into their lap. I don't think that Anaheim was anticipating getting Drysdale, but it was very much a oh my god, he's on the board. We're getting him. (laughs) You know, like, you obviously have a plan for, like, best player available, but you know that they probably did not intend on having Drysdale drop out of the top five, and I think that they made the smart move and went off of what they possibly already had planned and said, yes, we are going with him. Why is he here? Thank you so much. Yeah, I really thought they were going to get, like, Marco Rossi or something. I honestly thought that they could have drafted Jake Sanderson. Like, if they want a defenseman, I can understand why Anaheim would want a defenseman. But I said since, like, when we started talking about this draft class, Jamie Drysdale. I honestly thought Jamie Drysdale could have been a top three pick. But he landed at five. Yeah, six. But I don't know why he was there. I don't know why he's there at number six. It would have been dumb for Anaheim to walk over him if he was available, which he was, and they picked him. So I think fantastic pick. I agree completely, and I agree with Adam's sentiment. If I was presenting the first three rounds based on skull alone, I'd take Lafreniere Byfield and Drysdale in a heartbeat. And I think Ottawa, the chance that they had to take Drysdale and Sanderson makes a lot more sense than what they did. And I'm not faulting them for Stutzel, but Jamie Drysdale to Anaheim here, Absolutely great pick. He fell in their lap, and for the first time, Gibson will not have to face artillery fire because Drysdale is very responsible in his own end, and he's got a lot of offensive upside. 
He's got to work on his skating a little bit. He's quick, but he's not fast. I think if he can fine-tune it just a tad, he's going to be great. I really like Jamie Drysdale. Now, as a theoretical what could have happened, if they would have drafted Drysdale third and Stutzel was still on the board with five, do you, would you be angry at them for drafting Stutzel at five? Absolutely not. not. No, I think, here's the thing. Stutzel, just, just to recap a little bit, Stutzel that is the right pick at three. You have to make that pick because he has that highest potential. You have to pick the best player available. I've said that for every draft since I started following hockey. You need to pick the best player available. Tim Stutzel right there is your best money player available. So I have no gripes with it. My gripe is that they did that and they completely reversed course by taking Jake Sanderson, who doesn't fit their system. And now Anaheim lucks into Jamie Drysdale, which that's incredible luck for them. They needed a player like that and they got him. Do we want to move on to seven? Yep. Yeah. Now, are we covering just the top ten, or are we covering all 31? <laughs> all 31. Oh, boy! We gotta speed this I boy up. I <laughs> am so excited. Uh, yes, uh, anybody who's listening, Adam may have to leave at some point, but if he does, he does. Uh, yes, this just happens to be the first day where my class schedule gives me, like, a few hours of free time, so... We're yeah. gonna get through as much of the draft order as we can, and, you know, whenever he has to leave, we will, but... So, moving on to seven... Go ahead, Parker. We'll even take it away. You know what I'm going to say. I hate the pick. I hate Alexander Holtz. I think he's a one-trick pony. I don't think New Jersey is going to be able to develop him, even. And I think it's just a bad pick. I mean, there's more complete shooters here. I understand that a lot of people see Holtz as a top-10 pick. But there's just so much development you're going to need to do with him that I I just wouldn't have even bothered. And again, I don't think... New Jersey's going to be able to develop him into the player that he needs to become. Yeah, I I don't agree with the pick either. Like after seeing the players who were picked immediately after him, I I don't like the pick personally. Like how can you Especially take Alexander how, Holtz when you have Marco Rossi available and, and Jack Cole Quinn. Perfetti? Even Jack Quinn I would have taken. Uh, don't know about that one. I don't know, man. I I understand that Holtz played was it pro that he was playing in Sweden? He was yeah. playing in Jugarden. Okay. Hockey. Yeah. So I understand the OHL is not necessarily the most competitive when you compare it to that. But still, 52 goals for Jack Quinn, the 37 assists, and Marco Rossi. Rossi? Rossi. Rossi. Yeah. 39 goals and 81 assists. Uh, I, yes, top 10. Like, I. I think so far, there in my mind, there hasn't been a player that doesn't belong in the top 10 that was drafted this draft. I think that he should have been 10. He should not have been 7, but I don't like it. I will be the contrarian here, as I often am. Alexander Holtz, to me, is a player, if my team takes a chance on, I'm excited, because I'll tell you why. You can get playmakers a dime a dozen. What pays money in the NHL is goals. He has high-end talent for goal scoring. He is immensely talented. He's got a hard wrist shot. And the thing that you can't teach is he can shoot very well from distance with consistency. I understand the discrepancies, and I myself have said that I agree with Parker in saying that he is a sort of a one-trick pony. But Alex Ovechkin is a one-trick pony. Elliot Kovalchuk is a one-trick pony. And Patrick Line is a one-trick pony. You'll find that with a lot of big goal scorers, that's what they do. They don't do a lot of defense. They don't play a lot of neutral zone. They don't trap. They don't pass very well. But what they do, they do really friggin' well. I, for New Jersey, love the pick. 
if anybody else takes Holtz here, I don't know if I like it. I think, he, like Adam said, he's a top 10 pick, but maybe number 10. New Jersey needs a scorer. They've got Heischer. They've got Hughes. They need a guy who can finish. That is literally what they got. This is a smart pick. So I would kind of jumping into what you would say, like what I said earlier would be, he wasn't necessarily the best player available. He was the best player for the team. So there's three things you can draft for in a, in a draft for any sport, but specifically we're talking about NHL. You either take the best player available, the best fit, or the player you scouted the most. In this case, they went with door number two. They took the player that they felt was the best fit. Yes, you are correct in saying he probably is not the highest skill player because that player is at number nine. And I'm going to give a lot of conversation on the Minnesota Wild in just a few minutes. But right now, the Devils making this pick makes a lot of sense. And for a certain extent, it would have made sense at number eight, who I'm going to absolutely rip into. Parker, are we letting this show be explicit or are we going to be nice on the show? Oh, I think it'd be really fun if it was explicit. All right, so number fine, eight would be a fun Fine, fine. Right. <laughs> Let's so, go! Can we move to number eight? Can I, do you mind if I start? Go ahead. What the fuck are the Buffalo Favors doing? <laughs> I asked for three goddamn episodes in a row. What the fuck are the Buffalo Favors? <laughs> You're talking about trading Jack Eichel. You don't have a goalie. You have less than the minimum required players in your system. Your third defenseman is in Sweden alone to a team that isn't even in the NHL. And now, you make the worst pick in the first round. Jack Quinn is not high-end. Jack Quinn is not a top talent. And this is the only draft they've done this in. They've done this every year. They, took, they did it with Casey Middlestad a couple seasons ago. They did it with Ukepeka Lukanen. They keep doing this thing where they draft players who are not good because they think they have some stealth in. They're like, oh boy, we think our scouts are better than yours. So, well, first, they fired their whole scouting department pretty much. So maybe that's a problem. But I, I don't get it. I don't get the Jack Quinn pick here. Uh, he's not a bad player. He does have talent. But he's... People have made the comment that Alex Holtz and, to a certain extent, like, Tim Stutzel, if he doesn't reach his ceiling, they're going to be middle six to top six talents. That is what Jack Quinn is. He's a top nine forward. He's maybe high-end top six. He's not game-breaking. At number eight, you had Cole Perfetti and Marco Rossi on the board, the next two picks, ironically. Why did you not take a chance on one of those two? It's such on-brand for that stupid trash can city Buffalo, and my vendetta with Buffalo continues, fuck you, Buffalo, that they'd take another awful play, an awful pick, a player that should not have been picked there. We talked about it with Colts. Adam made a point that he's maybe the number 10 pick. Jack Quinn is a top 30 prospect. He might be number 25. Well, since we're explicit, all I'm going to say is God damn. But uh, I... I don't like Buffalo picking Jack Quinn. Let me just say that. I don't like Buffalo picking Jack Quinn. I could see their mindset, especially with the quick turnaround that the entire system of Buffalo had to do with firing everybody. And they could have just looked at numbers and said, oh my God, he had 52 goals. But I don't, I don't know. I think I would, I, I don't like him going to Buffalo. That's all my – I can see him going to eight, my mind, but I don't follow prospects nearly as much as Chris. But I don't like Buffalo making the pick because Buffalo needs a lot, and this is not it. Yeah, I could guarantee that their scouting department took all of the prospects, put them in the spreadsheet, and then clicked on the column that said goals. And then they were like, 
holy shit, this guy has 50-something goals. We have to get him without looking at where he played. I really don't yeah. like this pick. Again, I, w- I had him in, like, the low 20s. Like, Even if he makes those 52 goals in the QMJHL, I think he gets a lot more respect in the OHL. Well, I think we're going to need a new producer for the show because Parker just cracked the Buffalo Sabres scouting for the last 20 years, so he'll be hired by them tomorrow. But <laughs> He's I like, wait, you can I make mean, a spreadsheet? I mean, isn't the QMJHL just known for really high scoring anyways? Yeah. And, okay, Adam made a really good point that he didn't finish his thought on, which is okay. He said Jack Quinn isn't a good fit for Buffalo. You know who Jack Quinn would look really good playing for? A contender. A team like the Colorado Avalanche drafting Quinn where he should be drafted in the high 20s. That's a good pick because you can supplement him with talent around him. A team like the Washington Capitals who have talent. Basically any contender you can name that didn't make the NHL playoffs this year but makes the regular Stanley Cup playoffs any other year. Those are the teams that should be drafting players like Jack Quinn who can supplement him with talent around him and turn him into his high-end talent. Instead, So Pittsburgh, if they had their first-round pick. I have a tough time arguing for Pittsburgh to draft players like Jack Quinn because we don't have talent after Crosby and Malkin to supplement him with. The Avalanche, I use them as an example because you can make a case that after Ferenczi is done, they're going to have Taylor Hall with Nick McKinnon, Nico Ranton, and Gabriel Lanskog. All right, I know we're not, it's not necessarily Hold on the docket. I don't on. think Colorado's going after Taylor Hall. I'm not going to lie. I think there's other players I think that they would rather go, go to pursue after because where do you put Taylor Hall in Colorado? You're not putting him on the first line because of Landeskog, Rantman, and McKinnon unless you want to move Landeskog down to the second line. But then you're paying a guy like $8 million to sit in your second line where he's best fit playing with McKinnon and Rantman. So I don't think they're going to separate the first line, and I don't think they're going to put Taylor Hall in the second line for the money that he's asking. I just want – I'll touch on this really quickly just before we move to the draft again. The Penguins won with Phil Kessel on the third line. It, again, I just going back to my original argument at like the start of the draft, the Lions in the NHL aren't really a thing anymore. It's more so who you play with. You can absolutely play Taylor Hall 20 minutes a game on the second or third line. It's all about rolling them out. So that's, that's just my opinion, but – I understand where you're coming from. Anyways, back on topic. Jack Quinn, Buffalo. Parker, did you already have your say? Yeah, you already had your say, right? Yeah. How do you take Jack Quinn when you have Marco Rossi and Cole Perfetti, who are falling, by the way, who are still falling? So we can move off the shit show that is the Buffalo Sabres. Yep. Number nine. Good idea. Number nine. I'll, I'll let you guys go again first. I have some real thoughts on Minnesota here, but whichever one of you wants to go ahead first. Okay, me. I'm going to go... Finally, someone takes Marco Rossi. Mm. Chef's kiss, Minnesota. They need a center. They need a center. Marco Rossi is going to be a pretty good center. I would have taken Perfetti over him personally. But to be honest, like they're kind of interchangeable to me. I mean, they were both in the OHL. But I really like Rossi. And the only thing with him is that he's a little small. But we've seen small players play really well in the NHL. I mean, he's going to be pretty good, I think. I really like the pick. I think it was very much a case of why is he still here? We would be dumb if we don't pick him. So I just can't, like if I were to assign a letter grade, whenever that happens, I think it's an automatic A for the team. You know, like Jamie Drysdale going to Anaheim, A. Why was he there? Why would you turn him up? Okay, he's ours now. Same thing with Marco Rossi. It's like, why is he here? Why did you not pick him? Thank you very much. I, I think it would it was the smartest pick. It was the smartest pick at the nine spot because why is he still there? Same, you could have made the same exact argument for Cole Perfetti. 
Marco Rossi is, in my opinion, the third best fit out of the draft for their drafting team. I wasn't super high on Rossi entering the draft as a month ago. And I had actually done a mock draft for myself about a month ago, too, that I was going to put on the episode. Which you're going to notice, a lot of the, if you read the mock draft on the website that I wrote, a lot of what I was saying is going to be contrary. And that's just because I went off of what I thought was going to happen. Anyways, Marco Rossi, to me, incredible pickup. He is, based on true talent, probably the fourth best player in this draft. He's so well-rounded. He does everything right. He's well-spoken. He doesn't have any real flaws in his game. He doesn't have a lot to iron out. And a team like Minnesota, where they don't have an identity, where they're not a bad team, but they're not a good team, I think makes a lot of sense for them. He's going to have time, I think, in the OHL, probably the season that they play, to iron it out. And then maybe next year, he could debut this year. But I think next year will be his debut. And I really think they're going to have a chance to build around him. That's what they needed to do. It's a great pickup by... Garen there in Minnesota now. That's a good first pickup. We move on to number 10 now with Cole Perfetti. Which one do you want to start? Love, love, I love, mean... love, love, love. Another A-plus gold star pick. How the fuck is Cole Perfetti still here? I, I, mean, I have no like, idea. How is he still like, here? Like I just said. <laughs> like I just said, you give them an automatic A-plus because why are they here? If you're the team that doesn't pass up on a guy who's somehow falling out of the top five, top ten, like, you get an A-plus for my draft grade. I don't care that it was the easiest decision of your life. Teams have messed that up, like Buffalo. But anyway, <laughs> I this, had to hop back on that show. This dude Unfair. was second in the OHL with 111 points, and he dominated the Linka Gretzky Cup with 12 points in five games, he's immediately going to become Winnipeg's number two center. I don't even know who the number two center is. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. I debatably do not care what league you're playing in. When you are saying that you are almost a two-point-per-game player, you're pretty special. I'm going to be contrary in here. You son of a bitch. Of course you are. You son of a bitch. You had him, like, fourth in your mock draft. Again, I said my mock draft is just where I thought they would go. Cole Perfetti is a very good player. I think he's, again, true talent. I put him in the top six, probably number six. However, there's a player that they could have used more, and this is just based on fit alone. I really do like the Cole Perfetti fit in Winnipeg on deducting points from an A to a B because they still are hell-bent on trading Patrick Laine. And I don't think that they should do that. Can't, you, can't knock their tra- you can't knock their draft grade because of them wanting to trade line A. Hey, oh, no. Oh, no. I know what he's going to say. I know what bro's going to say. He's going to say, oh, Anton Lindell's a better pick. Guarantee it. Watch. Oh, absolutely not. No. I do have a thought on Anton Lindell. But Perfetti, for my money, is a very good pick up here. He shouldn't fall this far. He should have been like number five or six. I honestly don't know why the Red Wings let him go because Perfetti number four makes all the sense in the world. I really Especially think- for Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. He is immediately, like you said, a number two center behind Shifley. That's exactly what Perfetti should be. The number two center. That is my only qualm, is that Winnipeg, Winnipeg is not, there was a player that they should have gone after. When we get to him, we'll get to him. But I love the Perfetti pick. Again, it, it feels good automatic A, because why is he still here? Whatever team drafted him gets an automatic A for that draft, because he shouldn't have been here. He should have been gone six picks ago. So... Yeah, I'll give it to him, but I, I, I want to be—I want to let you know that I have thoughts coming up on that. 
Moving on to number You can't say he's a top five player and then be like, oh, I, I don't can. know about this at it's 10. You can't have it both it's, ways, it's Birdo. You can't no, have it both ways. You can't, you can't have it both ways in this case because we've made the argument before with exactly what we were talking about with New Jersey and Buffalo. I don't like them picking him, you know? Yeah, that, but those weren't we top just five said. picks, that's though. A, I mean, those guys were projected I mean, in the top five. Okay, Parker, but it, I think it's, you're, a, you're, it's the same thing. If you put Buffalo here, do you like them picking him? I like Buffalo picking in yeah. general. They shouldn't be a team. <laughs> exactly. So in this case, I think that we, we can say, in this case, you might not like the destination, but you like the – like, of course, you go with him. You just don't yeah, like the destination absolutely. because of the team's environment around them right now. Right. You, they don't have a need for Perfetti. But, I mean, okay, again, if you get $25 and you're a millionaire, you're probably still going to take those $25. So in this yeah. case, that's the comparison I'll use. They don't need Cole Perfetti. They needed a different type of player. But the plus side for Winnipeg, the type of player they need, they can find their free agency. I like the player. I think he could have been a better fit somewhere else. But, again, why is he there? That's the other team's fault. So, I digress. And number 11, Parker, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first on this one? Because this is our boy. You go. I hate the pick. And I'll tell you why. I think Yaroslav Askarov could have, A, gone higher, and B, I wish he would have gone to any other team. Because he's going to be... They're going to mess him up. Nashville's notorious for fucking up goalies. They just do. Pecorine's goalie coach is awful. Because Pecorine is good because he's Pecorine. UC Soros was messed up. Connor Ingram is probably going to be messed up because it's the guy. I just don't love that he went here. He's still going to be great. I think anything that picked Askarov is going to be better for it. And I have absolutely no problems with them picking him. That is absolutely the right pick to make. It's, again, why are you still here? A+. plus. I just don't like that it's Nashville because they're going to fuck him up. That's my problem. It's like that scene from The Godfather. Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> Look how they massacred my boy as he can potentially still be a Vesna candidate. Absolutely. In, within Absolutely. within six, seven years. It's like, okay, I'll be done after this with him. It's like when the Flyers took Carter Hart. I said from the beginning they were going to fuck him up, and they basically did last season. They started him too soon. It's not going to stop him from being Carter Hart. He's still fucking incredible. But they did it too soon. And that's the same thing with friggin' Askarov. I know they're going to do something stupid in two or three years' time. Anyways, Parker, take the floor. I believe I talked about this earlier, but I think Askarov's going to be able to develop at his own pace somewhat because they still have Rene, and they're also probably going to hand the reins over to Saros first for a little bit before they give it to Askarov. Potentially, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I like the pick a lot. I mean, we've seen Russian goalies be pretty good, like Andre Vasilevsky and Ilya Samsonov. And I think Ashcroft is going to be the next one. Actually, I think he's going to be better than both of them by a lot. By a hell of a lot, actually. I mean, he is the best goalie prospect since Carey Price. That is... I mean... Yeah, it's true. I mean, we talked about it earlier when Chris was on his phone call, like, going back to the Russian goaltender thing. You kind of know what you're going to get out of Russian goalies because they're just... The Russian development system is so good at developing goaltenders in the grand scheme of things. It's like, I, I know earlier I, I just have a bias about not really wanting to draft a goalie super high in the first round, but I can understand the pick going, him going there at 11, correct? It's 11 now? Yep, 11. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Nashville picking him because I don't 
think they're going to be able to sustain themselves as a contender slash competitor in the Western Conference by the time he's ready to start. I think that he would have been better somewhere off, like if Ottawa even were to have traded down and gotten him at like eight or nine. I don't know. But a, a team that can contend when he's ready to start, I think, would have been a better spot as opposed to a team that's probably going to not be a contender anymore by the time he's ready. I agree. And that's a very good point in that he's going to have to basically front load himself to a brand new team that's awful off the bat. Unless they do a rebuild, but we'll see. It all depends on how Nashville's going to have to play it because I, with their, their age, their system, their money that's all wrapped up in their players, I don't see them being that contender when he's ready to play a starting goalie position, even a backup like 50-50 goalie 1A, 1B system in four or five years if you want to start him at that age. Three years, maybe four or five, I would say, for a goalie typically. So we'll move along to number 12 here, but good, all good points on the Askarov front. I mean, hopefully he does well there. I'm going to preface the next couple picks by saying I fucking hate five of the next seven picks. Starting with this motherfucker. Bruh. Oh, Just really? he said you can mark it explicit. That's right. me. Actually, kind I kind of like Lindell. All right, I'll, I'll go out on the limb here. I said at the beginning of the year, I like Lindell. He has taken a big hit, rightfully so. I do I literally, I think I mock drafted him to Florida because he's exactly what Florida would draft normally. He's a two-way center without a real two-way ability. He is like, you know the meme, you guys are, you know, we, we talked about memes on the show this year. You know the meme where it's, hey, can we get this? And it's like, we have this at home. It's, can we get Alexander Barkov? And it's Anton Liddell. That's literally <laughs> what the, they're like. Finnish man, first name starts with an A, plays center, two-way, boom. Barkov 2.0. Not at all. Lundell is not... I have a really hard time seeing him fit in Florida. Because it's notoriously a thing that Quenville isn't really easy on prospects either. So... But he doesn't have anything really to prove in the Finnish Elite League either. So where do you put him? Do you put him in the AHL where he's going to be playing with some real trash cans because Florida's AHL team sucks? Or do you put him in Finland? Do you put him in the NHL? I, I have a major problem with the fit here. Although, contrarily, it makes the most sense that he would go to this team. Does that make sense? Like, it's such a conundrum to me. I mean, their AHL team's not going to get better until they start getting better players like Lundell going through the system. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I, I kind of think, in my personal opinion on the draft, unless you really are hot for one player... Like, unless you, like had Chris said before, it's either you're drafting the player that is the consensus best left or it's a team pick or it's somebody that you've scouted the most. I think that once you get out of the top 10, in my mind, it's kind of like throwing darts at a dartboard. It's like, who do you like? Why do you like them? Why should we draft them here? Okay, why not? Why not go with them? Why not go with Lindell? I mean, but I don't know. I could have seen Lindell going anywhere from 10 to like 20 honestly, and I wouldn't have much gripe on it. Yeah, that's understandable. Parker, did you already? I don't yeah. think you commented. Did yeah, you? I, I okay. don't have an issue with the pick, honestly. I like it. I love okay. some two-way centers. Okay. I um, see what you're going for, though, Chris, with the Alexander Barkov. Like, can we get Alexander Barkov? We have him at home. Up, oh, Lindell. <laughs> I'd take two Barkovs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's, okay. And so... For a team like Florida, do you really need two Barkovs? 
No. Number now, number thirteen. I'm gonna let y'all go first because I have some thoughts. I'm not. A I'll fan go first of... because. Okay, oh, I'll, I'll just go, go first because uh, I don't know this guy. All right, there I go. All right, Parker, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not a fan. He doesn't really excite me that much. I, he would have been fine in the twenties, but I feel like this one's just kind of a reach. Like, what, what, was he just like a fast guy? Like that—that's sort of what I'm seeing looking at him. I mean, he had 42 goals and 56 assists, but this yeah. is just me looking at the yeah, draft but in list the WHL though. Yeah, exactly. I understand WHL is like one of the lower tiers of the Canadian development program in the CHL, but like. I don't know. I just don't know him. I, I didn't know him before this draft, so I was just looking I, at highlight reel when they drafted him, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to make a very bold claim. This was the best pick in the NHL draft this year. And I'll tell you why. Well, remember I have no couple, idea what I'm talking about. Somebody mark your calendars. Remember a couple picks ago, I said Cole Perfetti wasn't the best at Winnipeg? It's because Seth Jarvis was. He is exactly what they need. But we're done with that, so back to Carolina. This is a fantastic pick. It's so on brand with what they're doing there. He's a high-skilled, high-energy player. He does everything well, nothing wrong. Yes, he's got a couple things he can get even better at. Like, he can improve his shot, but he doesn't have to. He's already got an NHL shot. He can improve his vision. That's probably his biggest knock, is that he just needs to get a clearer line of sight. But that's 99% of prospects. I love the Carolina Hurricanes picking this. And the only knock is that, yeah, they don't they lock a lot of size. They're not a big team. They don't really have a guy that's be their enforcer, their tough guy. That doesn't matter. Seth Jarvis here is a fantastic pick. I don't know how he fell. Immediately A+. And I wasn't high on him entering 2020. But in the past few months, I've been a big fan of his. He's stellar. And it would shock me. I'll, I'll, even, I'll even take a shot in the dark. He's going to be one of the top three players from this draft class when it's all said and done in 20 years. I really think he's that good. Would you even say it in five years? I Yeah, better comparable. I think in five years, you'll look at the way Seth Jarvis plays. Abe, I won't go out and say points, because not every player that produces points in the WHL lives up to the points total. I think he's more of a 60, 70 guy, maybe. You take that. You absolutely take that. And oh, yeah, that's a, that's a top winger, top two winger on any NHL team, really. I, I just center. think he's so well-positioned to succeed in Carolina. He's going to get the only thing like that players in Carolina, the reason I love players like this going to Carolina is because he's got the work ethic. He's well-spoken. And under Rod Brindamore, he's going to have fantastic conditioning. That's just a fact. This is a fantastic fit. And uh, Parker, listen, you can have your opinion. I have no problem with you saying you don't like the pick and it doesn't excite you. That's okay. I just think, personally, this is a fantastic pick. I can't say enough good things about Seth Jarvis. Well, let's hop on over to 14 now. On a pick I fucking hate. Alright, so... <laughs> I like Dylan Holloway. Of course you do! At 29. Okay, now you're speaking my language. At 14 to Edmonton! What the fuck, man? First off, they don't need another center. And uh, I, I just, I, I hate, I, he shouldn't go, he shouldn't be going this high. Yeah, I agree. I mean, first round pick, absolutely. Top 20? No, 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 no. I could have seen him like going anywhere from 20 to 31. Off of everything that I've read out of the people that I have been able to read up on on this draft. Yeah, no, not, not a 14, not at Edmonton. No, no, no. 
all if of you all like him, if you like him that much, if you like him that much, and you want to get him, trade down. I mean, I'll come right out and say it. This is an awful pick. There's so many players behind him that are so much better. He's not even a first round pick in my mind. I again, like I said, my mock draft's gonna be very contrarian. But if I'm making my own draft, I'm not taking Dylan Holloway here. He's a second round pick to me. He's a lot of what ifs. He's a big bag of what if. Yeah, he's got high end potential. That high end potential top six. Yeah, he's got a really good complete package offensively. But Edmonton seems to mess that up. And I don't think he's going to mess well with Connor McDavid. And that's ultimately what you should be drafting for at this point. You should be following what the Blackhawks and Penguins and Capitals did in the 2010s. Drafting players that complement your top six players. I don't think he does that. I just don't like his game for Edmonton. I have a hard time justifying this take at all. The scouts like him, but like Parker said, this is a great pick at 29. I'll even give it to them at 25. I'll give them like a freebie. I don't like this at the top 14. Well, let's get off the hate train and go to the next pick. Do you hate this guy too? Uh, this is one of the, so I said I hated five of the seven picks. This is one of the two picks I didn't hate. I like Rodian Amirov. There's a nice story about him with a cat that's floating on Twitter. Have a look at that. However, as a player, I really like what he's doing. He's had a good showing in the KHL. He, to me, is a Leafs player. And we talked about the three types of ways you can draft a player. You know, it's either, I'll reiterate, it's a player that you either scouted a lot and you know very well, the best player available, or the player that fits your system. I think this is a player that the Leafs probably scouted a lot and a player that fits their system really well. He's not, he's not the best player available here. But I think he's a good compliment. I see him more as a top nine guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. They wanted a Casper Kapanen replacement. I think he doesn't bring the same things to Kapanen does, but he fits in the same system. And I think if you want a guy who's going to fit with Matthews down the road, Rodin Amarov is a guy who can get 40 just by riding shotgun. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know too much about him. I, like, I know that he's probably going to play in russia for foreseeable future until he's ready to step up nhl wise so like that's going to be good development and it's not necessarily going to be a much of a, a cap hit because he's going to have contract over in russia so free development while he's still under your rights as an nhl team okay if he works out he works out cool and if he develops into that player that can sit there and like you just said put up 40 by riding shotgun Nobody's ever going to knock you at that. Yeah, definitely. I think, if anything, this is a really good pick at this position. I don't, it's, it's a safe pick. I, I never fault safe picks unless it's in the top five. Moving right along, Caden Gooley, another pick I absolutely don't understand. And who wants to take it away here? All I've got is why. That's it. Like, why? Why defenseman? Why here? Why him? Why can't you justify this pick to me? I, because you can't. Once again, it's one of those, like, yes, first-round pick talent, in my mind. Not here. Not to this team. Not at 16. It's, I saw, I believe it was Scott Wheeler had his article in The Athletic today, but regardless of who it was, he said, essentially, last year, the Columbia Canadians was a team that benefited from people slipping up on Cole Caulfield because of defensemen getting drafted too high. This year, they do the reverse. They are the team that's drafting defensemen too high. And I don't really know why. Caden Gooley is a first-round talent. But again, they don't need him. They have their defense pretty well scored away, I'd say. So you're drafting essentially a 
top six defensemen for your bottom pair, which I, I don't I don't get when you have players in the system. And it's not even like he's the best player available. So that leaves us with option three. Did they scout him? Did they really believe in Caden Gooley that much? I have a really hard time with this pick. Yeah, I, I don't have – like, I have a problem, I should say, with teams drafting that, like you just said, top six defensemen for your bottom pair. Like, if you look around the team, I think one of the better examples around the league is Colorado, where their defense depth is just wicked, like, just huge with just prospects. When are they going to get to play? When are they going to get to step up? Like, if you look at Colorado, they have Callie Rosen, they have Connor Timmons, and they have Owen Byram now, and they have the, the list goes on. And I think Montreal's in the same exact boat. Why do you draft a guy here like this? You, he's never going to get a, an ability to step up in a meaningful way for the team, at least unless you really believe in him and you make some moves to make him your top four defenseman in the future. I don't like it. Yeah, the price for having a really deep defensive prospect pool is having a really thin forward prospect pool, and that's sort of like what's happening with the Canadians right now. They don't need another defenseman. They have plenty in the system. They need more forwards, though. They were able to defend just fine in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but were they scoring? Nope. That's what they need. They could have gotten, like, Hendrix Lapierre here, or Dawson Mercer, or even, like... I don't know, like Connor Zary, but like they, I, I don't like the pick. Yeah, not a fan of it, honestly. I'll give them a pass because Gooley's skill, but I'm, not, I'm just not a fan of it. Moving along to 17. Another pick that you hate? <laughs> okay, so yes, and I'll tell you why. I like the player. I don't like the team. When I say I don't like it, I don't like the fit at all. Lucas Reichel is a player to me who I think has immense talent. He's not the best at anything. He's just really good. And I think it's a player you take a chance on a little later in the draft, maybe 20s. But I won't fault the draft position too much. My problem is the Blackhawks don't have a need for this player. For all intents and purposes, they're gearing up for what is going to be the last few years of Kane, Taves, and to whatever extent is left of Duncan Keith. So you don't... You need to... <laughs> honestly... I'm going to give them an F because they should have traded this pick. They have no need for him. What is Lucas Reichel going to do in a few years? It's a very similar situation to the Penguins, to the Kings, the Capitals. You don't make a pick to play your like top six draft picks around each other. You play them around your stars. Either they needed to go out and gun for a big guy in the draft, or they needed to get rid of this pick and trade for a player that's going to help them now. They didn't. It's a bad pick. But good player. I He'll succeed there. But he's not going to be a Blackhawk for life because they're going to tear it down pretty soon. So, Yeah, in a vacuum, I really like Lucas Reichel, the player. Not sure how I feel about him being in Chicago. But I do think pairing him and Kirby Doc in a few years is going to look kind of fun. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he fares. Like I said, it's similar to he's going to have to bring Cat probably there for a little while, too. That could be the next iteration, but they need him to be really good. So we'll see. Kind of going with you guys. I really like the player. I don't know why, but like off of the tape that I've seen and like the small amount of tape that I've seen and the just vibe that I get from him, it kind of reminds me of last year's 16 pick with Alex Newhook. I don't really see him staying in that franchise, but I can see him being a decent top six in the future, just not with the team that drafted him. 
Yeah, he strikes me a lot as trade bait eventually. Dawson Mercer at 18 here. Can you guess what I'm going to say about this pick? Uh, you're going to hate it. <laughs> I hate it for a lot of the same reasons I hate the last pick. I personally think Dawson Mercer is a okay, if not great, prospect. I think he probably went a little too high. I saw him more of a second-round pick, which, again, when we get to the later stages of the draft, you're kind of like, if, if you're talking about 25 to 35, there's not much of a difference there. But at 18, you're talking about still in the top 20, and I don't think he's a top 20 pick. There's a lot of players here that made a lot more sense. I noticed you said something about Connor Zari before. To me, Connor Zari is exactly what the Devils needed here. And they reached with Dawson Mercer. I don't love his high end. I think he's more of a floor than a ceiling kind of guy. And it's a safe pick at a spot you can't be safe at. You don't make a safe pick here when you have back-to-back picks, essentially. They picked 18 and 20. You have a chance to make a really big dent here. Do it. Yeah, I don't really like the pick because they already used their first pick on a high-end shooter in Alexander Holtz. And now they're using another pick on another shooter. I don't know where Mercer's going to go. Like, is he going to be their third-line center? Because they have Hughes and Heischer doing the top two. Where is Mercer going to fit? Yeah, I really don't know. I think this is very much like a... Just like the last pick that we discussed, I think it's going to be a very much a future trade bait if he develops well. If he fits in the system for a little bit, great. But I think it's going to be a much a very much a development and try to get something out of him, you know? I don't like where he landed with what they just drafted this year for New Jersey. I, I don't, eh. I'm okay with the player. I don't like the destination. Okay, it's another one of those things. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. Now you're gonna notice a trend with the next couple picks, with the exception of like two. I hate 95 percent of the rest of this draft that already happened. Oh boy, I can probably guess what the two picks are that you don't hate. Go ahead and take a guess right now. I will tell you. Uh, right. I know which pick you don't hate because uh, you told me last night. No, after number the draft. twenty, Shakir Mukhamadoulin, and number twenty-two, Hendrix Lapierre. And Adam, I know that you texted me last night after the draft. You said that you actually liked Colorado's pick where they drafted him with Justin Barron. And I'm gonna take a guess and say that you were pretty good with Jacob Peralt going to Anaheim. I won't tell you guys. Now, okay, maybe I was a little bit brash. There's like four picks I don't hate, and a lot of them are at the end here. You guys were in and around a few of them. So we'll go to Braden Schneider. Let me tell you about the third worst pick in this draft in the first round. (laughs) There is absolutely no reason he should have been here. And that's not saying, oh, he should have got higher. No, there's no reason he should have been drafted in the first round. It's, again, a team. It's very, you know how hard it is? All right, a couple shows in a row. Fuck the New York Rangers, I'll tell you why. You know how hard it is to fuck up after you got the first overall pick? They had it. They could have done nothing. And instead, they did worse than nothing. They drafted a player they don't need. They could have supplemented with a lot of players here. Hendrix LaPierre, Connor Zari, Jacob Perot, Ridley Grieg make a lot of sense for the New York Rangers. The freaking Rangers are in on Ridley Grieg. Why would they not take one of those guys? They take a defenseman they really don't need, who is, in my opinion, one of the not-so-great defensemen of the draft. If you're going to take a D-man here, take Justin Barron. By talent alone, he's probably the third best defenseman. But man, he's got a lot of holes in his game. Yeah, I hate the pick too. There were a lot better players that could have been taken ahead of him. And he's just a players the Rangers don't need. And I also don't like this because they traded up to get him. 
That's another thing, yeah. They, they traded up. I forgot about them. They traded up to get him. So that's, again, less than zero, which is a win. They must really have a good vibe for him. That's all I got. Like, I, <laughs> I don't like it. I do not like it. If it works out for the Rangers in the future, fantastic for them. I don't like it at all. We're moving on to 20. So this is, I'll give you the correct pronunciation, I believe. It's Shaker Mukamoldaleev is how I believe he says it. Good luck to the announcer who has to say that. Okay, and I'll tell you why that won't matter. There are more letters in his name than it will take me to justify my response. I hate it next, and I'll tell you why. He's not an NHL player. He's just not an NHL player. He's a nothing. I liked him way back in, like, February when we did our pre-draft show because he was starring in the KHL. He's just not good. He's not good. He'll be maybe a bottom pair defenseman. And you don't draft that at 20. Next. I'll let you guys take this one away. Yeah, what I can say about Shakir, I wouldn't have hated the pick in the third round. In the first round, no. I love the name, though. That's it. Great name. Great name, but so much development you're going to need to do with him. And you don't draft that in the first round. I don't, I don't know the player. So, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Oh, baby. This next pick. <laughs> yeah, what there's, the there's, fuck? I'm not what the lie. fuck is Columbus doing, man? What is this? What is this, <laughs> right, man? I'll lead off on this. There have been, so far, I think this is like the second or third player where I said, I do not know them. I do not know this player. But there's a different reason I don't know this player, because he's nothing. He was in the Russian Junior League? What is this? <laughs> Let me get a show of hands. How many of you before today knew that there was a Russian Junior League? I'll raise my hand uh, if I didn't. I, I wait, isn't, no that the, isn't that the MHL? No, MHL, I forgot he what was, that is. I think, I don't know exactly how the system works, but I think in Russia and like and in some other European countries with hockey leagues, they kind of run their development programs similar to how some some soccer teams do it. Where they have a main team and they have a secondary team as their like junior team, because he played for Omsk too. What? Uh, Avangard Omsk. Yeah, the second team. I will give a little bit of back. I'm gonna. There's a long story with my explanation, so I'll let Parker go first. And I'll let you finish off. Yeah, here's your thing with Chanakov is that he's an overager in a junior league. That kind of gives me a big red flag. He's not an overager. The junior league is for under. 20. Like, I'm reading the report right now. It's for people under 20. He's 19. Oh. Alright. I'll kind of give you guys a little bit of a story, okay? Oh, boy. First, I'm going to quote... I've been quoting this a lot today. I'll, I promise this will be the last one, but... Scott Wheeler, athletic article. You should read it if you didn't. His winners and losers. He makes a good point. He did not have China Kov ranked. So, decent prospect, but he's not ranked on his top 100 board. That being said, I'm going to close out that app. The MHL is correct, by the way. That is their junior league. My problem with this is, as Adam Rightfully pointed out, he played for Avangard Omsk too. The KHL is mostly oil companies. They're mostly Russian oil companies that own them, okay? And, like, coal industrial manufacturing companies. That's how the KHL's owned, if you didn't know. And there are a lot of leagues, especially in Europe, outside of hockey, too, that have secondary teams. There, if you don't know, Bayern Munich has a second team that plays in the league below them. That just happens sometimes. You have so much money, you buy two teams. And that's how it works. Avangard Olmsk is a premier team in the, in the KHL. That's why. They're so good they need another team. 
that all being said, what the absolute fuck are the Columbus Blue Jackets doing? There's literally no sense in making this pick in rounds one through three. This is like a late third round pick. I have never heard of Jaeger, Igor, 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 we'll say Igor, Chinakov. I literally don't know anything about him. In my, what, we've been doing this show for what, Parker? Two years? Two and a half years? In my two years of doing this show, how many times has it come up where I didn't know a prospect in the first round? This is shockingly bad. My final comment is, just to join the explicit train, what the fuck? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 22. Alright, here is my favorite pick in the draft, and my favorite player in the draft, Hendrix Lapierre. I love the player, I love where he was taken, and I love who he's going to. The big thing with Lapierre is that he's had a lot of injury issues, but when he has played, he's been really good. He probably has one of the highest ceilings in the draft, and I love that he's going to Washington. I mean, that's a steal for them, and he could definitely take over for one of their top two center positions in like a couple of years. So he's going to have plenty of time to develop. I think, great pick. Absolutely love it. I... I kind of agree. I like the pick more for Washington's system for his ceiling. I think it's a good pick for how Washington develops players, especially forwards. So I like it. I won't go as far as to say that this is the like a, one of the better picks in the draft. It's a very on-brand pick, and it's it's right in the spot it should be in. Hendrix Lapierre to me is a player who should have gone in the high teens of the draft. Like this is a player that should have been targeted. I like his upside. I think he's got immense potential, and I like what Washington has there. I think he'll be a good player there. My only qualm with this pick is I don't, I don't know if Washington is the perfect fit for him. He's probably a couple seasons out from playing. I like the player. I think he would have benefited from a team with less expectations because he's going to be thrown right into the fire because they're in win now mode. But sometimes pressure makes diamonds, right? So we'll see. Well, that's exactly it. He's going to have a couple more years until he's actually playing. By that point, we might not be seeing Nicholas Backstrom anymore. I think going just hopping back. I think that he's going to be okay by the time he's ready to play. Yeah, he's not. He's not NHL ready. He's going to have two years, I think, to develop before he even thinks of NHL. So, okay, I got more to this too. I think I figured out how I want to process it. I like that Henrik here was drafted here, but you, you know, there's always like some players that struggle with their first round pedigree. I think he's going to be one of them. I see him being a player, like, not really comparable play style-wise, but I liken him to Jake DeBrusque. Would you right now, both of you, take Jake DeBrusque in your team? Yeah. Nope. For the majority of teams, I think I, I think the yeah. majority of teams would take him. Okay. I wouldn't trade who I currently had at that position for would him, per se, him? but if I was in for a need, yeah. Okay. Jake DeBrusque, to me, is a player that fits the bill for Henrik Sautier. He's a player, well, up here, here, he's a player that has the skill, but I really think that, much like some of his predecessors, he's not going to live up to that pedigree. I'm seeing high-end, my a player that was traded, which we'll get to, he projects to be like Max Delmi, which you take Max Delmi, but that's his high-end, is a player like that. I, I don't know... I really think the label of first round pick is going to haunt him. I hope not. Maybe he'll be one of those players who was who overcome injury early in his career to be great. That's what I hope. I just see him being a player who is labeled as a man pick because those injuries rightfully 
slowed him down and and tagged him. You know, he's 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 a little broken at the start of his career. That happens, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, the one thing working in his favor with those injuries, at least, is that he has he's going to have many years in the farm system to work those out. That's very cool. Yeah, because like they're not going to be rushing him to come back in the AHL, but they would definitely be doing that in the NHL. Absolutely. Moving on to twenty three, Barf. Oh, okay. Not a fan of Tyson Forster. Uh, I mean, I personally like Philadelphia picking him. I could see him dropping out of the first round, but I like a team like Philly picking him because they seem to be a team to me that always has, like, not superstar prospects coming up the wings, but, like, the people that they do have, they get to produce. So I I personally like the pick. Yeah, I'll be honest, I do too. I think... I said earlier that, like, when you get to 25, the difference between 25 and 35 isn't high. 23 is, like, the smallest of reaches. It's okay. I don't hate them reaching here. I think it's kind of similar to what they did with Morgan Frost a few seasons ago and even Joel Farabee. I don't hate it here. I think it's a good pickup. That He fits their system. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really know much about him until yesterday. Did some research. He's a good prospect. He's really, like, he's a depth guy. He's a good top six, maybe bottom end, top nine. You'll take that at 23 all day long. It's just simply a smart pick. If nothing else, it's a safe pick. Moving on to 24, then. Uh, has uh, here's, yeah. here's another pick that I absolutely love. The Calgary Flames traded back not once, but twice. First from 19th, and then from 22nd. And then at 24th, they got Connor Zary. I love it. I mean, I've been seeing lots of comparables of Connor Zary to uh, Bo Horvat. Would you take Bo Horvat at 24th? I would. Absolutely. I love this pick. Yeah, I think it was a very smart play by Calgary. I think they had this player in mind since the get-go, but they knew that they could have traded back for him, and I think that it was a very smart thing to do. All right. My time to shine is here. I'm waiting to see what you have to say because I do not know much about Justin Barron. But out of the stuff that I read up I yesterday after the draft, I'm, 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 I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting sorry. For, I'm waiting for Chris to shoot us both down. Oh, he's going to say, oh, Connor Zary's terrible and everything. <laughs> oh. My take on Connor Zary. I absolutely hate the pick because it's not going to my team. Uh, this is a oh. fantastic <laughs> pickup by the Calgary Flames. For my money, best value at the 20s. This is a player I who mean, put it on the... You could make a legitimate argument that Zary's a top 15 prospect. I had him going, I believe, to the Leafs. This is a great pick. There's literally no ifs and buts about it. Connor Zary, I really like the pick here. Fantastic pick. Great value. He doesn't have a lot of gaps in his game. He has a few. But like I said, in the 20s, you expect that. Overall, Calgary gets a major steal here. He could have easily gotten top 15. Moving on to number 25, the Avalanche pick, Justin Barron. Adam, do you want to lead us off? This is your team. I mean, I can lead off because I don't know much about him. I mean, I looked up some stuff last night after the draft because I had to leave during a portion of the draft, and I made sure to come back to watch the Avalanche pick. And based off of everything I was hearing and uh, the stuff that I read afterwards, he's a very prototypical Avalanche pick from like the top the past like seven years, basically since Joe Sackick joined the organization and started making the decisions. He's a big guy who can skate. That's basically what I have found out, and he's supposed to be pretty darn good for the pick that he was at. Parker? I 
like the pick. I like the player. I mean, he missed three months in QMJHL because of a blood clot, and he put 19 points in 34 games. I like it. I think he's going to be really good. The only issue is that I feel like Colorado is going to be getting a log jam at defense. Oh, I agree entirely. They have, they have way too many depth. Because, because they, they have, they have, they have way Carr, too much in the they system. They have Samuel Girard and Bowen Byram, and now Justin Barron. And that's uh, not not to mention just that Colorado's oh, defensive Graves. depth is way too. Yeah, they have their system right now. Everybody so far on Colorado's defense is staying. I don't even know if Bowen Byram's going to be able to get an NHL start next year because we still have. Eric Johnson, we have Sam Gerrard, we have Ian Cole, we have Nikita Zadorov, we have Bowen Byram, we have, like I said, Callie Rosen, Ryan Graves, we have so many people in the depth chart. Like Bowen Byram, Kunantin honestly wasn't even that bad on any other NHL team. I think he's at least a seventh defenseman. But like, I like the pick because I think it was the best pick available. I don't like the defense. Yeah, I, I think, think they're it's... very defense heavy. It's like what Colorado was doing five years ago, or even. Even last year when they drafted Alex Newhook, they don't need centers. They don't need defensemen. They needed a winger or a goalie. And I think you can move some players around, but like, I don't like that they're focusing on two positions. I get it if it was the best pick available. I like the player, though. I really yeah. like the player. Yeah, he's, he's definitely like I, the best yeah. player available right here. But it's like my only issue is fit because, let's be honest. Colorado is not going to start Eric Johnson and Nikita Zadorov over Sam Gerrard and Byram forever. But at some point, you're going to have to move your older defensemen to get these young guys to play. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised we haven't, A, traded Johnson yet, probably because he's a $6 million a year player when he should not be. He should be a $3.75 million a year player. Uh, he's a good defenseman. He's too injury prone. He should not be paid $6 million. I don't think he should have the A on the jersey. I mean, he was a first overall a pick, defenseman. right? He was not their first overall pick. He was St. Louis's first overall pick. Yep. That, in 2006. That explains and Colorado it. traded that for him. I believe, yep, yep, yep. I believe that was the trade where we traded Brian Elliott to St. Louis. Because we had Brian Elliott as our pick. But either way, I personally like Johnson, but I hate his cap hit. But. Colorado's defense doesn't make sense for them to pick a defenseman in the first round. That being said, I still really like Justin Barron at 25. Best pick there. There are three schools of thought, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be contrarian to your guys' opinion too. First of all, in my opinion, and apparently some of the scouts, he is not the best player there, and I think it's honestly a pretty fair assessment that he is not. I will get to that in a second, though. What I will say is there are three schools of thought with this. I understand the Avalanche picking what they perceive as the best player available, because it's not far off, probably. He's in the argument. So I'll give them that with Justin Barron. I think he's a good player. Not great. He's got a lot of gaps in his game, which I said happens here, but I don't think you really take the health issue into account. That's sort of a fluke. That being said, I don't like when teams draft players to be trade bait. And to me, that's what he's going to be, because I don't see a fit here. You can make the argument that, yes, he's very prototypical of what the Avalanche seek in the draft, but he's just not going to crack that roster. At the end of the day, there are players ahead of him who are far better, and you aren't going to utilize him properly. So he's trade bait at this moment. And the third school thought is that there was a player that, they, that would have been a much better fit here, and that's Jacob Perot. He is, if, if for all sorts of purposes, the best fit here. But I understand the pickup. I'm going to... 
I think I told you, Adam, last night, you said at the beginning of the show, I said this. I like Justin Barron as the player. I don't like the fit. I just, I'm curious what the Avalanche are doing. I Again, this is why I alluded to earlier in the show. I think they have big plans for agency, which we're going to get to very shortly. But yeah, I just, yeah, I, I just, mm, they have like nine defensemen in their system that could be NHL defensemen on any other team. <laughs> like, hmm. So moving Anyways. on to St. Louis here, 26. Bad. Well, bad. Yeah, I'll come out and say it. This is a bad pick. Bad. Love his Damn, name. Look at Dumpster Fire. Bad pick. I just don't like Jake Neighbors as a player. I don't think he's got what it takes to be an NHL player. Maybe the a guy's sixer. just a grinder. That's literally what he yeah. is. You don't draft it in the first round. It's very on point for the St. Louis Blues to draft the big tough guy, and that's what Neighbors is. Neighbors is only six foot. Yeah, but he's a grinder, and he's yeah, he's he not plays a good, bigger I mean, than his size. He's a grinder who can he he's a grinder who can score kind of. Everybody but thinks he's a WHL player. So I knew it was gonna happen. Some team was gonna fuck up and be like, "Oh, well, Tampa traded a first round pick for." Like Coleman, and they did this for Barkley. Whatever they traded for Blake Coleman, they traded uh, first round for Barkley Goodrow. Team and the fucking Blues won the cup last year. Teams lose their mind. Every team follows suit because it's a league of parody. They're like, "Hey, we need a grinder. We think we're smart, and with the Blues, we're gonna get back to our identity and draft a guy who's got grit." That doesn't make sense here. There's so many players ahead of him here that would have made such a better sense if you wanted to draft a player with grit. You can get a player with grit. You don't have to go and get a friggin' grinder in the first round. I'm sorry. Yes, there's really very little discrepancy between 26 and 40. There's a lot of discrepancy between 26 and friggin' 125. They're trying to draft a uh, family value David Backus. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they're trying to draft a great value brand of David Backus mixed with Reeves. Moving on to uh, 27. Man, Big the Brock. Ducks have been having a really fucking good draft. They have been indeed. This is another long... Like, Jacob Perot? Oh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. That's and like one of the better shooters in the class, too. Yeah, he should have been drafted earlier. He's a player I thought should have gone before players like Dawson Mercer and even Jacques Quinn. I, I think Jacob Perot was wrongfully assessed as a top 30 player. He should have been like more like top 20. Maybe even top 15. I, I don't I'll know. be I, honest. I, I would take Jacob Pearl over Alexander Holtz any day. Okay, you might be alone in that category, but okay. I do like Jacob Pearl a lot. I think the Ducks get a good find here. He's right on track to be where they're going to be at where they're good again. And I like what he's going to do with Trevor Zagross. I think there's room for improvement with picking somebody like Pearl, but it's a good pick. All around, it's a good pick. I have no complaints, honestly. I like the player. Like, what you guys had said, he could have gone earlier and nobody would have said a thing. I, I think Anaheim it succeeded in the first round because of teams passing up on talent. And that's what I think you have here again. Number 28, Parker, will come to you first. Uh, I'm not a fan of this one, personally. I mean, it seems like they're trying to... The Sounders here are just trying to draft a replacement for J.G. Peugeot, which, I mean, isn't bad. But, I mean... I don't know how I feel about drafting grittier players in the first round. I mean, it's not terrible, but I feel like there were better options available. Uh, I don't really know too much about this player. So the biggest thing that I have is his size. He's super lanky. Like he's only 160 pounds and he's five foot 11. 
like I, I get it. They don't really focus on getting built at this stage. They focus on mechanics and like gameplay. But I think he's a little bit too small for his stature. Like that can be changed, but I don't like his style of play with how he's built. Alright. I'll simplify it in a couple words. Bad pick next. Yeah, fair. Alright, Vegas. Brendan Brisson. I'll, I'll keep it simple because at the end of the at the 31 picks, we can give our winners and losers, but at 29, I like the pickup. Son of Pat Brisson, the agent. Don't hate the pick. Think if there's a team that's going to fit really well, it's Vegas. I have no problem with it. Yeah, it seems like Brisson's been a real rise through the past couple of weeks, and I'm kind of glad he was picked in the first round. I mean, he had... 1.31 points per game in the USHL, and among those rookies, the only ones to, that had more were Hughes with 2 and Jan Swartz with 138. So it's like his average is like at those two players. And I'm not saying he's going to be those two players, but I like that. I mean, I think he could be really good. And I don't hate the pick at 29. I like the pick. I think that he has the potential to be the next player who's really going to make a case that NCAA development should not be knocked on anymore at this point in the NHL. He's going to go college, and that's where he's going to develop. It makes sense. And I think that he's going to—he's not going to be a superstar that, by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's going to be a solid player in the future if he gets the right system in place in Vegas. Like We don't know how Vegas develops yet because they're so new, but... Hopefully they don't mess it up. Moving on, I mean, we got Maverick Bork at 30. This, to me, is a really good pickup. I like mm-hmm. Maverick Bork. I think yeah. he's got good talent. What do the Dallas Stars need more right now than talent? I can't think of it. Centers? I, I think this, is good, this is a really good pickup, though. Centers that aren't about to uh, die on the ice? Yeah, when Joe Pavelski retires, I could see Maverick Bork coming up to fill that spot. I mean, the Stars do need a number two center. The Stars need a number two through four center, but yeah. Fair. Yeah, I like Bork I, I mean, a lot. I just hate Dallas. I hated how they played this playoffs. I'm sorry. I'm just super biased on it. I hated how they played. I thought they played very dirty, but anyway, I just hate their number two through four centers. All right. Moving to the last pick in the draft, Ozzy Weisblatt. Parker, Adam, which one do you guys want to go first? Um, I don't really know too much about him, to be honest, so I don't really have an opinion. Yeah, it's, name, it's a bad though. pick. <laughs> I'll be straight up. I don't, I it's don't it's a very it's a very San Jose thing to do. I think they looked at the numbers on a dying franchise right now for San Jose, and they're just like, "Hey, look, he he put up a lot of points, put up seventy. Congrats." It was <laughs> a nice story in the draft. They're like they sign language the draft picks because his mother's deaf, which is a nice little story. But at the end of the day, he's not predicted to be an NHL anything. So I mean. I guess, you know, it's a really high risk reward, but that's all I got for I don't even know who he is. I, I just read his scouting report this morning. I just liked his name, though. Oh, okay. Alright, so now we can grade our, well, we did our grading, so we'll do the winners and losers. Alright, three winners and losers of uh, the first round, so we'll do the three winners first. My three winners, I have a really tough time not putting the Rangers there, but I can't because of that Brandon Schneider pick. I'm going to go with the easy one, first of all. The Anaheim Ducks. That's an easy one. Man, this is tough. I've got to do it on them, though. The Carolina Hurricanes, because of Seth Jarvis. I really like that pickup. To me, it's a toss-up. Because, man, 
there's I'm gonna give it to the wild, Marco Rossi. It's a tie between him and Cole Fetty, but I'm gonna give it to Marco Rossi just because it's such a good fit. So I'm gonna go with the Ducks, the Hurricanes, and the Wild for my winners. I would say that my winners, my number one winner is Anaheim. And it's not because of anything special that they did. It's just they pounce on other people not picking what they should have. Jamie Drysdale should not have been number six. They hopped on a good pick with their number 27 with Peralt. I mean, they're my number one winner of the first round. I would say after that, I would say Minnesota because once again, Rossi is a very good talent and they jumped on him just like they should. I would still say that the Rangers are are one of my winners because the, I think that they made the right move in not trading the number one spot and keeping Lafreniere. So I would say that they're barely considered a winner. They get a big knock on, in my book for the pick that they made later, but I think that they made the smartest move with keeping their pick and getting Lafreniere. Okay. Okay, so I have the Anaheim Ducks. That one's pretty easy. I'm also going to put Winnipeg in there because I just love the Cole Perfetti pick. And I'm also going to go with the Wild. I mean, the Marco Rossi pick is really good. The Wild need a really good player, and they also need a center. And Rossi fits both of those. So uh, now who would we say are our losers? Oh, those are easy. Actually, or maybe not, because there's a lot of losers. <laughs> All right, I think I can go first because I think I got a good idea in my mind. Okay. I think. Hmm. I, how do I want to order it though? Is the real question. I I, I would say, yeah. I mean, I kind of ordered it with, with the winners. I would say my my losers, not necessarily for the players that they picked, but they could have gotten more out of it with necessarily like trading down or. Just changing the order even. I would say Ottawa, I would say, is a minor loser in this draft. Because I do not like them passing up on Jamie Drysdale at all. I do not like that at all. Like Chris had said earlier, if they would have picked Jamie Drysdale at three and then picked Jake Sanderson at five, cool. I understand that. But I do not like the... They could have traded down, I think, to eight and still gotten Jake Sanderson if they were so hot on him. I would say, other than that, my loser number two would be the Buffalo Sabres. I hate their pick. I think their drafting system is trash. I think their development system is even worse. I think they are a dumpster fire of a franchise, and I think they're going to be lucky to be a team in the next five years. Hot take. And my final loser, I would say, is any team that did not have a first-round pick in this round. Because... There's a lot of decent depth in this first round, and I think that some teams could have easily traded in to try to get at least something. And out of the teams that I know of off the top of my head that have traded their first round pick away and did not have it for this round, I think that they had a massive loss for it. All right, so I guess I'll go next. First loser, Buffalo Sabres. What are you doing? Number two is going to be the Edmonton Oilers. As much as I love Dylan Holloway, I just hate the pick. It just makes no sense to me. And my third loser is going to be the New Jersey Devils, and here's why. You have three first-round picks, right? And you don't hit on any of them. Holtz is 
a huge risk. Mercer is a huge reach. And Mohakmadulin is... What the fuck? If you had a really good scouting department, like, there were some really good players that were taken around those players that could have really helped out the Devils and given them a really good draft. But this is just not, not good at all. I will go next, but I wanted to announce a trade at the Brook if I can. New York Rangers deal a former first-round pick in Leas Anderson to the LA Kings. So if you notice me being quiet, I was looking at that trade. So I'd break that while we're on the air. That's a big pickup for the Kings. Anyway, I guess I should give my losers now. Is that what oh, we're yeah, doing? He, he was seventh overall yeah. in uh, 2017. Was he a center? Yep. Yeah. He was on loan in Sweden after the, him and the Rangers basically told each other to pound sand. <laughs> so, alright, I'll, uh, I'll give my losers. The Ottawa Senators, you had a lot of shots at a good pick and you only got one of them. The New York Rangers, simply because there's no reason to trade that the way they did for Braden Schneider. And Jack Quinn, because he has to go to Buffalo. <laughs> now, our three winners and losers are done. Uh, you guys made some good points as well. Like I said, I was a little quiet there trying to suss out this trade. What did the Rangers get back? Well, a second round pick. So what players are you... Do you have to watch on day two? Well, today is day two. Fair. What players today do you have an eye out on? Let me pull up a draft thing here. Noel Gundler, I liked. JJ Paterka is good. William Melinder, who I believe already got drafted. I'm pretty sure most of these players got drafted because we're already under under the next round. I like Helg, Helg, I think it's Helger, Helger Graham. He's really good. I like him a lot as a D-man. Jeremy Poirier, very good. Ryan O'Rourke. I'll give you two more guys to look at. I like Marat Kuznodinov. Forgot about him. And Jack Sidley. Those are my top ten or so to watch. Yeah, I had a lot of the same players. Two ones I have that you didn't mention were Tristan Robbins and Luke Tuck. Yeah, I mean, Luke Tuck's pretty good. I uh, I think he's a good player. He's, I think he's the brother of Alex Tuck. Mm-hmm. Literally the same player. Adam, any thoughts? Not anything besides what you guys just kind of said, to be honest. We don't really have a ton more to talk about here, but we had the Domi trade yesterday. Parker, any thoughts on the Domi trade? Oh, yeah. Uh, first uh, of all, oh, what yeah. was the Domi trade? Because uh, I didn't get to see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> Montreal traded Max Domi and a third-round pick, right? For Josh okay. Anderson. That sounds right to me. Oh. <laughs> Rip. Oh, hey, Ryan yeah. O'Rourke went to the wild. I saw that, yeah. That's a good pickup, too. Tampa got Jack Finley. Who the hell is that? I just mentioned him. He's like six foot six. Oh fuck! Tampa also got Gage Goncalves. I have no idea who that is. Where's Jeremy Poirier? Did he fall again? He might have fallen. Uh, uh, Luke Tuck went to Montreal. Okay. And No Gunler went to Carolina. Oh, another great pick by Carolina. Is what I'm hearing. Did you guys see that Arizona forfeited their pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they they tested players when they weren't allowed to. <laughs> Idiots. Fantastic. Well, what else? So, do you have question: yeah. With the forfeited pick, does that pick just not exist? Doesn't and exist. It's eliminated from yeah. getting picked at all. That yeah. Hmm, that sucks. That's Indeed. rough, buddy. Oh, anyway. rip! Rip the uh, five players that aren't going to be drafted now. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, would they really be signed to a contract in all things said and done for those five players? Probably not. Like, at least uh, immediately. So, do we want to... This is the problem with draft shows, is there's a lot to talk about until we get to this point in the show where there was, the draft is still going on. The NHL might return to play on January 1st. Thoughts? I think that they might try to make a spectacle, because somebody made an interesting point on NHL Network where it's like, they can't call it a true 2020-2021 season. They might try to make an effort to have at least some kind of big showing for games on New Year's Eve. So January 1st, I think, is a good deadline. But if they are ahead of the curve with getting it started up, I think that you might see some games on New Year's Eve. It's very possible. That's what I've been seeing, too. Again, with the NHL, whoever really knows, but we'll see. And I was going to say let's look ahead to 2021, but it's kind of hard to project this early out. So, Parker, Adam, one thing I wanted to do before we wrap today is I want to project the Calder Trophy. So, who do you guys think, if anybody from this draft class is going to win the Calder this year? If it's going to be anyone from this draft class, it's either going to be Quinton Byfield or Alexi Lafreniere. And I think it's going to be Lafreniere if it's anyone from this class. But to be 100% honest, I think it's going to be somebody who's not from this class. I think it's going to be a player from last year's draft class or even the year before who's finally going to get a chance to start. Um, I think that if Bowen Byram could get a chance for Colorado to start, I don't see him making a breakthrough on the roster given the numbers that they have. But if he's able to, I know he's the type of player that I believe will be a Calder winner. Alrighty. I'm trying to think. Maybe... Maybe Igor Shesterkin. Is he eligible again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he only played like 25 games. I That's not a bad bet, honestly. Shesterkin is probably going to turn it up. Maybe Morgan Geeky with the Hurricanes. I mean, I think Shesterkin would be a, a good pick, but I don't... I think that they honestly kind of just like discredit goalies for Calder too harshly. Well, it's very rare that you see rookies really get that opportunity. One that I kind of want to keep my eye on, Moritz Sider with the Red Wings. I'm also going to lean to the Red Wings, too. Part of me says Samuel Pullian for the Penguins, but I, I just don't know if he's going to start. So I'm going to say there are three players I can see doing it. If Seth Jarvis plays in the NHL this year, I think Seth Jarvis. Over Lafreniere, over Byfield. Byfield's not going to play in the NHL this year, I don't believe. I like Cole Caulfield. I think Caulfield, if he gets a chance this year, will do it. But honestly, the player I'm looking at that's going to be really good, because I think, honestly, regardless of his team being bad or good, they love Sedina. He's still classified as a rookie? Damn I, I know I might be dumb. Yeah, oh, he's, yeah, he's been in the farm yeah. forever. <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why I ask, because he's been there for, like, what, he was 2017 draft, right? Or 16, or 18? 2018. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, so this would be his last year on his rookie contract then, right? Uh, if he was signed. I don't know if he was yeah. actually signed. I think he was, but I don't know. I don't but, follow but, Detroit but that no, closely. Your rookie contract only burns years when you're in the NHL. Then it becomes an NHL contract. But So, in theory, yes, but also no. The best way I could put it is, if it is, this would be his last year on his entry-level deal. But his rookie contract wouldn't even start until he plays his first game in the NHL. Or sorry, his first nine that, That's true. His entry-level deal, that's what's done. Right. So, his, yeah, it'll be his first nine games. It's nine games and over, you have to stay in the NHL. Otherwise, it burns a year regardless. 
under 26 games, you're still a rookie. So I think Parker's right about Chesterton. But anyways, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully one of our picks gets up there. Oh, I just remembered. Eli Tolvanen, maybe. Or Trevor Zegras with the Ducks. With the Ducks. That's another good little interesting pick is Trevor Zegras. We'll see about him, too. Man, if Marco Rossi plays, you can make an argument for Marco Rossi. Or Fetty, too. I, I don't is think Fetty's going to play. Gabriel Velarde a rookie? Would he be considered a rookie? I think so, but I'm not too big on Velarde, so I'm going to disagree on that one. Okay. Yeah, definitely some players to watch out for. I got two more. Bubble Byram's a good pickup, and honestly, Oliver Wallstrom from the Islanders could be a, a really interesting one to watch. Do we have any more thoughts today on the draft or anything that goes along with it? Jeremy Poirier still hasn't been drafted yet. He's a player that might fall a little bit. I'm hoping he falls. I'm surprised the Penguins didn't take him a little upset. I'm hoping Tampa snags him. <laughs> we'll see. All right, well, on that note, so this is our, we'll close it out with this. So Adam, you, you haven't been here for the past couple episodes, but this is our last quote-unquote live episode that we're taping. We're taking a hiatus now after the draft to reset, recoup a little bit. We're going to come back probably to record in late October, early November to delve out our good, uh, what's our game show called, Parker? Good, good sports. Good sports. We're going to do some more episodes of good sports right then and there and then uh, after about two or three episodes we'll be done until 2021 until the first uh, week of 2021 so Adam uh, we hope to see you back for good sports I'm sure we will alright All right, well, it's been good to be back yeah it's nice oh, to have yeah. another person in the show for the first time in like probably since we had Mike on right Parker yeah yeah so we haven't had somebody on in like 13 episodes which is like two months and even that, that was that was an episode that was really serious. So we haven't had like a an episode where we had like an episode like a guest being able to talk freely and probably longer than that. Probably since the last time you were on, actually. I mean, hey, trying to go to school in this uh, COVID world really yeah. kills your schedule. Yeah, it's fine. I feel that. I feel that, man. Being 100%. being a being a senior trying to juggle your classwork in this COVID world, oh, yeah, I'm surprised you got your I was even able to be stuff. here. Oh, uh, well, that's next semester, but I'm I'm trying to pass all, make what? sure I get a you good grade one passing all my gen eds. I had to do mine the whole year. I'm student teaching in the spring. That's a one semester thing. Man, I don't know uh, why I said this show is going to be draft only, but uh, if I may, can I yell about Jack Johnson a little bit? Oh, oh we didn't talk I'm, about that. Every single Pittsburgh person is in love with this. All right, it's time for me to uh, it's time for me to time for me to yell. Last episode, I yelled for. Seven and a half minutes about Jack Johnson being terrible. <laughs> and then two days later, I had to make a video on Twitter saying that he got bought out. And it was the happiest day of my entire life, I'm pretty sure, at least as far as sports go. Jack Johnson, no longer for the Penguin, no longer plays for my hockey team. We pay him to not play for my hockey team, and that's the best gift I could have gotten. We didn't. I said last show we could have boat anchored Jack Johnson with Matt Murray's two cups, and I would have been fine with it. And we didn't. So I'm giving Rutherford an A plus because even though he put himself in that situation, he got himself out of it. At the end of the day, Jack Johnson will be playing for either another NHL team or will not be playing at all, and I'm completely okay with either outcome. Also, fuck you, Parker, for saying you wanted him to stay here. Fuck you. His cap hits nice. I'm gonna make a Jack Johnson category on good sports just for the hell of it. <laughs> it's a stat line of all of his garbage plays. Which NHL player is bad? Mike Jack Matheson. Johnson is one through five. Hey, he's not Jack Johnson. <laughs> he could be worse. 
I mean, he's not going to be the scapegoat in an entire franchise like Jack Johnson's been you the past bet? four or five years. You want to bet? I would make a solid bet. It's not it, going to be. It went Matheson. from Ali Mata to uh, Jack Johnson. Now it's Mata go was to never Mike the Matheson. scapegoat, though. He yeah, he was. liked Mata. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. All right. Well, not as much as Johnson, though. You're going to have a scapegoat for every franchise, but like. Johnson was just un like in my mind unreasonably hated on super bad. Like yeah, he's a bad player, but like oh my god, he was so disrespected. And yeah, right. he was disrespected on the ice when he kept getting deked out every play. Well, yeah, gentlemen, we're, we'll, we'll wrap it there before we play back for anymore. Uh, we can continue this off the uh, off the recording. But yeah. uh, want to thank you all for listening to the show all season long. I think I said this last episode, so I'll keep it short. We will be back in 2021 with our new episodes of news. Keep an eye out in a couple of weeks for some new episodes of Good Sports, if that's your sort of cup of tea. If not, we will see you back here next year, hopefully when COVID is mostly dissipated. But thank you all for listening. Thank you to all the guests that came on this season. And uh, we'll have a new intro for you next year, too, that I'm sure will feature lots of Jack Johnson. Remember, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Oh, we are? Okay. Listen, Gary. Remember, everyone, wooden blocks.